Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, my dear sisters and brothers in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you know this, but my grandmother died just a little over a week ago. And all of you have had to deal with the aftermath of trying to sift through a a loved one's belongings, right? What do you keep? What do you give to someone else? What do you donate? What do you sell? What do you just throw away? And it's been the same for my family. I, I haven't been able to do much of it. They've kind of just been giving me things and then I hold on to them. Everyone is trying to find something that they can hold on to a memory, right? And strangely enough, I think one of the most prized possessions that my grandmother had was her answering machine. You see, up until just a couple of years ago, her main phone in her home was still one of those that had like a 20-foot cord on it, and it could pretty much get her to anywhere in her home. And the reason that she held on to that phone that was tethered to the wall is because that phone also included her answering machine. And on that answering machine was the voice of my sainted grandfather, And she just could not let it go. You know, you can try and hold on to all of the trinkets and all of the memories that you can, but I don't know that there is anything better. Is there anything that allows us to feel closer to someone who has died than their very own voice? This woman knew that. And here I'm no longer talking about my grandmother. This woman was seemingly a a wealthy widow who lived near the Sea of Galilee. And everything, as well as it could be, was just going amazing in her life until the day that the voices started. At first, she just heard them in her head. And these weren't the voices of her husband or other family members who had died. No, these voices were disturbing and troubling. And though they started in her head, they grew and they began to affect her body and her mind and her actions and her words. They were voices that were trying to plague her soul and to crush her spirit, and they were well on their way of doing both. She couldn't hide it from her family or her friends anymore. All they had to do was look at her, and they could see that it was not her anymore. She was gone. The darkness had descended on her life. And then one day when she was weighed down by that darkness and tormented by the voices inside her, she heard another voice. She heard the voice of a man who was not disgusted by her appearance, 
The voice of a man who wasn't afraid of the voices inside her, and she could tell that at the voice of this man, the voices inside her trembled with fear. This man spoke in a way that he could not be disobeyed. He spoke with power and authority, and he said to those voices, I command you to come out of her. And those voices, they began shrieking and convulsing and tearing through her body and her mind, and then they were gone. It was silent. There was nothing, no more voices, no more torture, no more darkness. Her head and her heart were, were really just empty. And then she heard the voice of that man call her by the name that she used to be called. He said to her, Mary. And as she opened her eyes, she saw the man with that voice who had called her out of darkness, whose voice had silenced all of the other voices in her life, and her empty head and heart were filled once again. In fact, they were overflowing with light and joy and love for this man. And then this man said to her, I'm Jesus. Come follow me. I don't know that you or I can even begin to understand the depth of the adoration and the love that Mary Magdalene had for Jesus, the man with that voice. That man who had driven the darkness out of her life. But the Bible wants you and me to try to understand what that relationship was like, what that adoration from her for him was like. Because in Mark's gospel account of the resurrection, when it introduces Mary into the resurrection story, it reminds us that this is the woman from whom Jesus had driven out seven evil spirits. And so, it shouldn't be surprising that Mary, after that day, began to follow Jesus everywhere. Jesus preached throughout all of Israel, from top to bottom and east to west. He covered it all, and she followed him every step of the way. She was there to listen to that voice preach again and again. She was there to listen and to, to hear the promises that he was making to her and to everyone else, and she believed all of them. He said to her, he said to the crowds, I am the Messiah, the Christ. I am the one who has been sent into the world to deliver it from darkness to deliver it from sin and guilt. I have come to deliver the darkness from your life, just like I delivered those evil spirits from the body of Mary. I'm Jesus, and I have come to usher in a new kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of grace. And Mary believed every word of it. Of course she did. How could she not? I mean, this was the man with that voice. 
Jesus had called his disciples away from a lot of stuff. He called some of his disciples away from the labor of a fishing boat. He called other disciples away from the temptation of the tax collector's booth. But Mary? Well, Mary, he had called away from debilitating darkness and from the torture of those voices into the unimaginable light and love of God. And when Jesus was arrested and all of his disciples fled, Mary could not, she would not, abandon the man with that voice. The only one who would come close to her when no one else would. And so she did what the disciples were too afraid to do. She and some other women went and watched Jesus as he made that long, lonely walk to Mount Calvary, And then they watched as he was crucified. And then they watched as the man with that voice died. And then Mary even followed and watched as his dead body was laid in a tomb. And when it was sealed shut, it had to feel like all of Mary's hope and joy was sealed up with it. Sealed with the disappointment of a dead Jesus and all those broken promises he had made to her. Three days later, when those same women were making their way to the tomb that Sunday morning, you can understand then why they were going with such heavy hearts. They were going to anoint the dead body of their teacher, their friend, their Lord. But when they got to the tomb, something was very wrong. Mary saw that the tomb was open and that the body was gone. And so she left immediately. She ran and raced and got Peter and John and told them what she saw. And Peter and John took off. And by the time Mary got back to the tomb, Peter and John had already left. And there she is all alone. Alone without that voice. And now she doesn't even have his body. No closure, no comfort. The voice that had made to her the greatest promises she had ever heard in her life was all alone. She was weeping and she was wondering, what will it mean for her life now, now that the man without that, with that voice is gone? Does it mean that the voices will come back? Does it mean that the darkness will descend back onto my life? Those voices were trying to climb back into her life and convince her that everything that Jesus said, every promise he ever made, was a lie. And as she was crying, a man came up behind her, and as she turned around and looked at him, she made the most logical conclusion. She assumed that this man was the gardener, and so she said to the gardener, Sir, if you've taken his body away, please tell me where it is so that I can get it, so that I can finish what I came to do, and so that I can go back to weeping over all of these broken promises. And then that man spoke. And she froze. Because she knew that voice That was the voice of the man who pierced through her grief and her gloom and he said again that word. 
Mary. Jesus was alive, back from the darkness, back from the dead, and it felt like he had come back just for her. And she grabbed onto him like a mother who just found her lost child. And she promised that she would never let him go again. And Jesus smiled and he said to her, Mary, you don't need to. You don't need to hold on to me because you see, I died and I was buried. I went to the grave and hell and back and I'm never going there again. Go and tell my brothers that I have risen and everything has changed. And those words from that voice told Mary that every promise Jesus made had been kept. Remember who Jesus is talking about when he says, go and tell my brothers. He's saying, go and tell my disciples. You know, the ones who did not have Mary's devotion, who did not have Mary's courage, the disciples who had fled and deserted him, the disciples who were too timid to be there and watch Jesus die, the disciples who were not there to watch him be laid in the tomb, the disciples who were too timid and afraid to go there Sunday morning to the tomb with the rest of the women, those disciples who at that very moment were hiding behind locked doors out of fear for their own lives, those disciples. And Jesus says, go and tell my brothers. I can think of a million words, a million names that I would have called those men at that moment, and brothers would not have been one of them. But it was for Jesus. And in fact, this is the very first time Jesus calls them that. Jesus says, Mary, go and tell my brothers that my resurrection means that I have forgiven their doubts, I have taken away their fears, and I have freed their guilty consciences. Jesus was alive and he wanted his brothers to know that. And he wanted Mary to know that. And he wants you to know that. You see, that's what the voice of Jesus does. That's why you're here today. To hear the voice for yourself. Friends, you're here today because one way or another you heard the voice of that man and you have followed him. Or, at the very least, you're here today to give him another listen. Maybe the first time you heard that voice is when your parents brought you to the baptismal font. Or the first time you heard it was when a friend invited you to church. Or maybe it was today because you heard that voice on a postcard that we mailed out to you. Either way, you heard his voice and you came. You came to hear this man who lived and died and lives again and did it all for you. And yet, just as it was with Mary, there are times when we struggle to believe some of the promises that Jesus makes. When we look out at the world and everything that's happening in it, or even just peering into our own homes, it feels like Jesus is sealed in his tomb somewhere because nothing seems right. 
And then you start hearing the countless other voices in this world trying to convince you that all of those promises that Jesus makes to you, that they are broken and outdated and unimportant. And those voices then, they make promises to you too. They tell you that, you know what, if you just get out of your marriage, your life will be so much better. They tell you that if you can just get your kids into the right school, eventually they'll turn out. They tell you if you can just make it to that next promotion, you finally will be satisfied and feel like you have accomplished something. That if you just follow your heart, finally you'll be happy. Friends, there are a lot of voices in this life and they make you a lot of promises. But here's the thing you need to remember. They don't keep any of them. And you'll wake up one day and when your life has come unraveled, you will realize that you are no more happy, you are no more at peace than you were before the third car or the bigger house or the better job or the second spouse. It's so easy to listen to all the wrong voices. But you see, Easter means the end of all those voices. Not that they stop speaking to you, but Easter means that you don't have to listen to them any longer. It means that every promise Jesus makes, he keeps. Jesus promises you forgiveness. He promises you freedom from your guilt and your anxiety. He promises you peace, peace with God, because he makes you holy and righteous to stand before him. He promises you hope for your future and a life that isn't numbered in months or years, but in eternity. Jesus promises you that your life is not all about you. Jesus promises you that your life is not all about your kids or about your retirement. It's not about the right subdivisions or the right school district. It's not about the right career choice or even your happiness. Jesus says your life is all about what I have done to give you life. It's all about the fact that I have called you out of the darkness of your sin and the fear of death. It's about the fact that I am preparing for you a perfect life that will never end. And that promise actually frees you to live joyfully and confidently. To love your kids, knowing that their future does not solely and wholly rest on your shoulders. It frees you to carry out your vocations at your job, to your neighbors, in your community. It frees you to live for them and love them like you've got nothing to lose and everything to give because Jesus lives, you do. You see, it's only when you stop listening to all those worldly voices that you start to get that perspective that you start to understand what those first disciples didn't, that Jesus had to rise from the dead, and so do you. That in the end, the living voice of Jesus is the only one that matters. And do you know who gets that? 
Do you know the kind of people who understand that? It's kind of a, a small group, an eclectic group, but they typically have one thing in common. Most of them are somewhere lying in a hospital bed with their bodies ravaged with sickness and disease. And when I go and visit them, they don't want to talk about their, their favorite memories or their best vacations. They don't want to go over all of the career moves they made or how much money they acquired. They don't want to talk about their favorite home or the subdivision they lived in or the schools they sent their kids to. They only want to hear that voice. They just want to hear his promises again. They just want to know that their Jesus lives and soon they will too. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus changes everything in your life. We're not here perpetuating some myth. We're not even here just remembering an event that took place 2,000 years ago in a far-off place. It's not just a special Sunday each spring. It is the day God kept his greatest promise to you and proved to you that he will keep all the rest. That he hasn't left you in your sin. That he hasn't left you to face death alone. That he hasn't left you alone. You know, I smile when I picture my grandma hearing my grandpa's voice again and saying something more than just that one sentence that she listened to multiple times a day for more than 15 years. But I get even more excited when I picture her hearing that voice. The voice of her Savior and seeing him face to face to hear the voice that is the whole reason why she's there. The voice that called her out of darkness into his marvelous light. Friends, don't wait until you're in your hospital bed or you're sifting through the old possessions of your loved ones. Turn down all of those worldly voices and listen again to the voice of that man who brought you here. The voice of that man who brought you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. The man who calls you by name, Mary. And then go. Go and tell your brothers. Go and tell the world what he says to them. I am the Savior who lives, who died that you might live. And I am the Savior who lives that you might never die. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia and amen.